Hi guys, this is Jan from Taste of Prague. Welcome to another episode of our English podcast. Today we're speaking to Jen of Dream Prague. I don't know if you know Jen's videos, but she makes uh, a great uh, point of uh, comparing Czech and uh, US cultures in uh, her YouTube feed. And if you haven't seen her videos, you should definitely check them out. She takes a really fun uh stands on things and she does not dumb things down just for a comedic effect or anything and actually her videos are quite surprisingly deep and you know she's been living here as an expat for eight years so um she really knows uh, a thing or two about the uh czech culture she explains it really well uh to americans and she really explains well the u.s culture to the czechs now Many people see our tours as a, as food tours, but they're really culture tours dressed as food tours. So what we do and what she does is quite similar, and that's why I uh, really enjoyed talking to her and about like how about things like how she handles the two audiences, the Czech and the U.S. audience, and um, you know does she have to be polite or politically correct when she explains one culture to the other? It's all very interesting to me. And it's a great opportunity to talk to an expat who's lived here for a while. Now, our shout-out goes to all, to all expats living in Prague. I know it's really hard, like, being isolated from your families abroad, uh, especially during these hard times. So please hang in there. And um, this episode is especially for you. So this is Jen from Taste of Prague. I'm sorry, Jen from Dream Prague, obviously. Cheers. So, uh, it's my honor and privilege to welcome here Jen from uh, Dream Prague. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. Um, now, I would like to ask, I mean, Jen, uh, I think um, we've all seen your videos about, you know, Prague and life in Prague as an expert from the US. Mm -hmm. um, now, my question is, the first question is like super banal. How <laughs> did you end up here? Um, well, we had lived in, we are from California. We had lived in Japan for three years. And then when we returned to California, we really felt the loss of being in a new place with new challenges. And we thought we would never actually get to live to, in Europe. If we didn't go now, we would never get the opportunity. And so my husband has Czech blood from his great, great grandfather. Oh, wow. But, um, He had been here for three days in 1999 and spoke very highly of it. He had been here for three days in 1999 and spoke very highly of it. And we just thought, why not? And it was really just kind of a bottle of wine, a map, and a dart. And Prague was it. Oh, wow. So did you, was there a plan or like just let's just go and see what pans out? The plan was that I would come first for about three to four months. I would take a course to learn how to teach English. I would get a job, I would get an apartment, and if it seemed like it was a doable opportunity, then I would tell him to pack up the house and meet me here. And is that what happened? It's exactly what happened. Oh, cool. So, um, what was the most difficult thing to adjust to? Um, definitely the language. You, There are things you must do. You must get a visa. You must learn how to pay taxes. You must... Um, um, just lots of different things that required the language and we'd never been exposed to the Czech language before. So I felt constantly leaning on my few Czech students or a few of the expats who had been here a little bit before me. So that was very challenging. Everything was a challenge because of the language. Of the language. Um, in hindsight, are you happy that you're here? Yes. So there, you've been living here for eight years? Eight and a half years. Eight and a half years. There's never been 
a day that I've thought this was a bad decision. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. That's nice. Um, what is the one thing you miss the most from the US? I mean, always when we have, um, I always ask this when we run food tours. And usually what happens is sometimes uh, you have study abroad programs, you know, like study abroad students yeah. that really don't have the money to have our go join our tour. But at the end of their stay, the parents come you know, the folks come in and they have the money. So they usually say, oh, you should also buy, you know, this tour. Um, so we always go. And I always ask this, what is the one thing you miss the most from the US? Um, besides Kraft macaroni and cheese. That's actually the second most common answer to this. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It's, it's absolute garbage food, but it's delicious. And it's an American staple. Um, I think you can buy it here, can't you? I, I've, I've seen it maybe at Lidl. They have like yeah. American Week or something. American Week, yeah. I think what I miss the most is, I mean, we grew up by the beach. I miss the beach. Obviously, I miss my family. Um, that's a th hard thing to adjust to, seeing your family once a year. Um, so that's, that's really hard. But I think the lifestyle here makes up for a lot of the conveniences of living in, in California. Yeah, that's the second question, actually. What if you ever, I mean, is there a plan to go back to the U.S. eventually? We don't have a plan. You don't we, have a plan. We, we know that life can change and have different things in store for us. And maybe we want to try something new, but we're really quite content here. Have you ever thought about uh, getting a citizenship here? Yes. And I believe that I'm eligible in the next two years. Okay. And so I really have to actively start studying for that. I believe it's a B1 language test and they ask you questions about Czech culture um, I'm sure Carl Gott is on there and Charles the Fourth, so I'm well, going to have to really study. The only two people that matter. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so is that um, a thing that you may have considered, like both of you, or? Just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah? And I, I think that I'll probably do it first. Yeah. Would you? Do you think that would be any benefits for you from that, from having a Czech citizenship? I think it's the security of knowing that we are able to stay. I like the security of being an EU citizen. You never know when they're going to change um, the immigration laws. And so it's just like nail it down now. But it will also give me a lot of pride. It'll be like, it's a, it's a ton of work to immigrate somewhere and to really prove that you are part of the culture. So for me, it will be like a personal point of pride. Cool, cool. Um, now, is, if you ever come back to the U.S., do you, uh, what do you think will be the one thing? I actually asked you what's the one thing you missed from the U.S. here. What would be the one thing that you'd like to bring back to the U.S. from mm -hmm. the Czech Republic? I mean, I speak a lot about it. I speak a lot about this, but definitely the, well, there's two things. There's the public transportation, but that goes hand in hand with the mixed zoning. It's this old European style city where it's not meant for cars. It's meant for people walking or on horseback even it's everything is close people live on the first floor and up and then on the ground floor there's the cheese shop and the the butcher or the the fruit and vegetable shop and it's just the accessibility of everything i you can find everything i need just if within the meet, um one kilometer from my house yeah, yeah. um is um I want to ask, it's a kind of like right, a contemporary question. Um, there's an election coming up in the US. Mm -hmm. Are you a voter in the US? Yes. And I currently vote for the state of Washington okay. because I lived there briefly before I left. 
and we can vote by, by email, which is great. All right. So have you voted already? Or? <laughs> My husband has. And every night he's bugging me to do it. And okay. I hopefully will get to it tonight. I have every intention of voting. Um, so if you vote by email, will you get those, um, you know, the pins I voted? Or like, the sticker? Did email, <laughs> the sticker or whatever that I is. I think I'm going to make one and just stick it to my, my sweater just just to, uh, you know, Instagram it and feel like I'm part of the club. Cool. Uh, do you think uh, you're, um, how would you describe yourself? Are you an American living in the US, uh, in the Czech Republic or is it like, what's your, what do you identify, identify as right now? Uh-huh. Well, you always... That's very interesting. I think when I am around the American friends and family that I have, I see how I've changed a lot and how my way of thinking has changed. But I don't think I will ever truly be Czech. I mean, I'm, I'm always going to be an American to Czech people. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, on my channel, I make fun of Americans because you can kind of make fun of your own people without without repercussion, you know, but it's, it's making fun of myself. But at the same time, there's a lot of good things about it being American. We're, we're like kind of endlessly optimistic and have this like can-do attitude, which is super annoying it's, to Czechs. It is very foreign to the Czech psyche, <laughs> yeah. yes. But, you know, it's gotten me here. Who I moved here when I was in my 30s. Like it is a, nobody does that. Nobody jumps continents for the heck of it. And it's because of the sort of American like why not attitude. And if it fails, who cares? That we're here. That's the reason. So what you're saying is that you're too optimistic to become a, a true Czech? I don't think the Czechs will ever really let me be a true Czech. They might like award me, you know, honorary, um, you know, Czech, Czech citizenship. citizenship yeah. Maybe. No, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right. Um, now, how did the videos start? Mm -hmm. The blogging and the videos. So I started making videos as part of courses that I sold that I sell online. They are okay. for people to learn how to become better English teachers, learn how to organize their their English teaching businesses. And so I became familiar with the tech and being on camera and things like that. And then this this idea of Dream Prog was always in the back of my head. And it was basically I was going to do the same thing for people who wanted to move here. I was going to show them how to do it because I think it's this tiny dream of a, of a certain segment of Americans to move to Europe one day. My parents always fantasized about it, but never did it. And so I was going to show them how. And so the channel started out with that in mind. I was going to tap into those people in America who were like, yes, I'm moving to Prague. And there's like 10 of those people. Yeah, uh, well, I think you should have chosen Paris for that. <laughs> sure, I mean that's. I, mean, I think, the, I think the every easy. other Woody Allen movie is about like Americans trying to live in Paris. But this is another of my motivations because I think move Prague, to Paris. No, <laughs> I think Prague is up there with the best cities in Europe for sure. And so I was going to be the one who told everyone about Prague. I wanted to just make them all aware that they had no idea what was waiting for them if they just left London, left Paris, left left Rome. There's so much more to see and you can find a lot of it in Prague. Cool, cool. Now, I found your videos online, I think by chance, um, and I love them because, you know, we talked about this before, I pressed record on this, um, but I think we do something very similar on the tours to what you do. We can't explain the Czech reality to foreign visitors who come to Prague. Now, I want to ask you, what is your strategy? What is the assumed audience? Are you speaking to Americans? or Because I know you've gained quite a bit of uh, Czech audience too. And we have the same 
it's not a problem. It's a reality that we have two audiences. We have mm -hmm. the locals and we have the foreign visitors. How do you approach that? Well, I started uh, on the back end of YouTube. You can see who's watching your videos. And part of the problem was that I started last October and COVID happened very shortly thereafter. My, my videos didn't even really take off until we were in COVID. And so there are not a lot of Americans looking to move, looking to, depends on the election, <laughs> looking to visit. And the Czechs somehow started to pick up on the videos. And so I started making more videos with that in mind. It's, it's really interesting to me that the Czechs are interested in an American's opinion. Um, but since they want it, I have lots of opinions and why not, why not make videos about it? But I don't want to let go of my, my initial dream of bringing Americans to the Czech culture. So I, even though some of my videos are more targeted towards Czechs, I always keep those in mind. Okay. Um, how do you make this polite? Sorry? I mean, like, how do you, is there a politeness uh, factor? Like, do you think about like, oh, should I say this? Can I say this? Uh, uh -huh. Is there something in the back of your mind? Like, you know, I'm, I have to, I'm, I'm, I'm a foreign visit. I mean, foreign national living in, I'm an expat living in a country yeah. and I comment on the country. Yeah. Is there, and I have a, and I have an audience from that country. Is this something that like, um, you know, is in the back of your mind? So not at all. Just kind of let it all go out and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do take the checks to task with, you know, a couple, I make fun of the, the, um, Pani Bolshidova in the Urjad and the, uh, you know, the, the post office lady and the checks actually really enjoy that. And they, some of them even tell me I'm too nice. Like if I make a video about what Americans can learn from the checks, the checks like it, but they're like, okay, give us the real deal. They, they like to hear the real deal. So I don't know that I Once I've established myself as someone that cares about the Czech culture, once I've shown that I'm making an effort to learn the language, it gives me a lot more leeway to be really frank with what I think. If I was just, hey, I live in Prague and the Czechs are really annoying because of X, Y, and Z, they'd be like, who is this girl? So yeah. I had to build some credibility. Do you ever touch on politics, religion, you know, um, like soft points? Yeah. So I have a lot of opinions about um, American politics. Absolutely. I'm less knowledgeable about Czech politics. So I would obviously. Good for you. I would, <laughs> Keep it that way. Keep it that way. I would way. tread very Trust lightly. Um, but I am really shocked about some of the, the comments that I get in my, in, my, um, in my comment section where people just make vast assumptions about my politics when I haven't really talked about it. Um, I mean, that's what internet comments are all about. I know. Yeah, to make vast assumptions about you know, the author. Yeah, I know. You forget that, that when you give your opinions online, people are free to give their opinions back. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. Has there been anything particularly difficult to explain? I mean, because I, you said your, uh, your uh, original assumed audience were uh, like Americans mm -hmm. trying to move to Europe. Have you found any topic to be particularly difficult to explain to Americans, like in the Czech culture? Um, no, I don't think... I guess explaining... Americans maybe are very s simple, and I don't say that to be, to be rude, but they, they don't understand that like a, um, a culture that doesn't value... Um, uh, Americans are very polite, but it's 
a little bit in a, in a fake way, according to a Czech. And I have no problem with the Czech mentality of being a little bit more closed. And so I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to explain that the Czechs have these tendencies that we would find rude, but they're really not. Other than that, I think that, um, no, I think that, I think that I just try to give a little bit of a realistic bite of each one. And I hope that I, um, make fun of the Americans as much as I make fun of the Czechs. I try to be like an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> sure. Sure. You insult both parties equally. Sure. Um, that's nice of you. Now, <laughs> I, I do know what you mean because I think this is the Czechs are, when I went to the U S, um, I'm sure I must have read like Catcher in the Rye before, you know, the phony thing. Mm -hmm. And like that's kind of the one complaint Europeans have. Like European, I mean, there were other, you know, uh, exchange, foreign exchange students uh, at the high school that I went to. And when we got together, we would kind of always complain that the Americans are quote unquote phony. Yeah. And I get it. It's a conversational gambit. I mean, the same thing here. Like, you know, like, uh, how's your day? Oh, it sucks. You know, like, it's because we can't play the empathy card where mm -hmm. you can't play the optimism part. And yeah. none of it is, you know, like it's, it's just a gambit. It's just like how like conversation starts, I guess. Um, I've asked, I mean, I want to ask about the Czech's reaction. Like if we are sensitive to like comments. Uh-huh. Well, I have been, I have been sensitive to comments and they've kept me up at night and there was, no, I mean, if the Czechs are sensitive to your comments. Oh, um, the Czechs being sensitive to my comments. I made, I made a joke. See, here's the thing. When you make a joke, you, to, to make a joke and have another culture laugh at you is very difficult. So I do make some jokes and Czechs are, they understand my intention, but I made one crack about an American assuming that Prague was uh, Eastern Europe. And the Ch I can't tell you how many Czechs lost it in the comments. And I, I started to have to respond, it was a joke. <laughs> But, you know, if you have to explain that it was a joke, you're not good at telling jokes. <laughs> so are they, are they... I made another video about um, Czech names... And um, how it's quite interesting that the women have to take OVA if they have a Czech husband. Um, it seems totally normal to Czechs, but it's totally abnormal to Americans, which was the point of me making the video to show what's normal in one culture and abnormal in another culture. And I really got attacked for being a feminist, which I think is so hilarious because it's just a name and it's just a funny thing. But there's a lot of sensitivity to political correctness. They are very... They don't like a smidge of political correctness. And if they sense that I'm being political correct, they're going to cut me down. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's because... I think that Czechs want to be heard and they don't want anybody to step on what they're saying. They don't want the government to step on what they're saying. And they know what that is like. In, in living memory, they know what it's like to not be able to say something, to say that you are a communist or you're not a communist and to have that affect your work life, your prospects, your children's prospects. So they are way more attuned to censorship. Whereas in America, we'd like to say we love freedom, but we don't know what it's like to not have freedom. At least I would say um, a certain segment of white privileged Americans don't know what that's like. So the Czechs are highly attuned to anybody getting in the fr in front of what their opinion is. 
And I, I can respect that. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think it's um, also, I think for me, it's like the political correctness thing. It's just uh, we're confused. Uh-huh. Um, because the thing is, we don't have any ethnic diversity here. And we're just like, just mostly confused. I remember like um, we did, we dis- I mean, I'll be very honest here. We dis- discussed this at home, you know, when the Black Lives Matter thing started. And like there was this like this black just just black screen that you were that everybody was posting on instagram mm-hmm. you know and we're like thinking like should we do this should we not do this you know and then we said okay we're gonna do this and uh so we put it on and uh, put it up and we just wrote you know like yeah. something nice and then um a follower of ours that i know to be a great girl that i've never met privately yeah. but i know she's great she wrote you know like oh yes all lives matter mm-hmm which she meant in the nicest possible way because we don't get the nuance of American discourse yes, about it, right? Exactly. And then, of course, like there was an American commenter. She wrote, started writing, like, oh, you know, it's like, you're, you know, she was kind of suspecting she was a racist. And I just like had to step in, right? Listen, it's just not what is. I think and I, I like, remember you know, this like on this, your like, <laughs> And it's just like I, I had this. to, like, you know, mediate yeah. interculturally and say, like, listen, yeah. this is what she meant. Mm. She didn't mean any harm. Like, and I think that what leads to the confusion. It's like you have to know what to say. And, like, I think people here, and I think it dates back to education because I remember, you know, like, in American schools, like, one of the most shocking things when I went to the U.S. is, was, like, um, the, how carefree American students were to voice their opinion, no matter how stupid that opinion was. (laughs) I mean, like, pa, 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 this is me, this is what I think, check it out, like, you know, deal with it. And we're not like that at all because from, I mean, I was in the communist, uh, I'm still a product of communist education and uh, not every answer is the right answer. You know what I mean? There's no wrong questions. Of course, there's wrong questions here. You know, so I think that's the fear that you're going to say something wrong. Yeah. And I think that's what's just confusing to us, political yeah. correctness, I yeah. think. Yeah. So, so first off, the, the um, Black Lives Matter, black, blackout Instagram mm-hmm. posts. And I did go to the Black Lives Matter protest here, which okay. I found really interesting. I did it out of solidarity with, you know, with everyone. But it was really fascinating because there were Americans chanting Black Lives Matter. And I had gone ahead to the embassy to lay some flowers. So it wasn't part. I didn't. It was pre. It was like COVID, mid-COVID. I didn't want yeah. to be part of mass group. And they were chanting it at the Czech tourists. And we were with the Czech tourists. And the Czech tourists were like, what the fuck is going on? Like, they had no idea. So for me, it was a little bit like American imperialism round five. Like it's just, it's just bringing our problems to the rest of the world. While I understand this, the solidarity everyone was trying to give, so there, there was that. It was a little confusing. Also, um, with regard to the All Lives Matter, I mean, Zeman was at the American embassy with our ambassador who has his own other stories. Look him up on Wikipedia and reference Nixon and Watergate. Um, he, you know, says all lives matter. And to me, this is, this is not understanding so much nuance of the situation. And secondly, this is, this is the president of a country, a smallish country in Europe, trying to get on Donald Trump's radar. To me, it just seems kind of a little embarrassing, a little... A little low, a little not worth it. Our president embarrassing? What do you mean? Like, <laughs> well, that's all never I'll heard say. This before. That's but, all I'll say. All right. Anyway, let's move on. Um, now, um, 
have there been like you know because you've been commenting on the checks have you received any like i, I don't know hate mail is a strong word but yeah. any like comments that um made you uncomfortable yeah i have and they've really kind of worked their way into my day and i don't have a lot of free hours to spend on that so um i've ended up blocking maybe like five people from my channel because I can disagree with you from here until Tuesday, but if your comment has any merit, it's worth staying up in the public view. But if it's totally worthless and nothing but toxic, like this is my little part of the internet and you don't get to be there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. This is your playground. Mm -hmm. um, now, <clears throat> you also, through your videos, you also explain a little bit about America to the mm -hmm. Czechs. Yeah. Now, how does it feel being an ambassador of the US to the Czech Republic online? <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Americans would be like, we didn't nominate her to do this. <laughs> Doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I mean, who nominated Dennis Rodman to be the U.S. ambassador to North Korea, right? <sighs> That's true. Oh, am I, I, mean, am not, I the I'm Dennis Rodman? <laughs> you are the Dennis Rodman of the Czech Republic. No, that's not what I want to say, but I'm just like, you know, you yeah. are a, a cultural yeah. ambassador. Okay. So I think that I'm educated. I come here with the best of intentions. I'm really open to when people say you you overlooked this you were naive about this you had were culturally empirist about this i say you're right if they are right and so to me that's a good ambassador not everyone's like me i'm not the typical american but that's okay why why, um, why not the typical american what is a typical american um well i'm from california which is you know pretty liberal pretty out there pretty crazy so i'm I'm sure you know because you were went to school in Houston. I'm not the typical American in that way, but I, you know what I am though. I'm the typical American that is worldly enough to travel and to experience other places. The American that is the stereotype of American. They never leave America. They don't have a passport. They don't travel. They're not really interested in seeing other countries. So I'm the American you get. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, has the U.S. embassy noticed? That um, you are the cultural ambassador to the Czech Republic? <laughs> no. Have that's they contacted you uh, in any way? No, that's a great question. There's an, um, there's a, an American center there um, that's open. They do speeches, they do movies. I've been to, to things there. So that would be really fun to get in touch with them and say if they want to do some sort of cultural exchange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I absolutely. do. Know, I do know some of the Czechs who work at the at the, uh, at the embassy. Yeah. All right, there I'll you see go. If they can put in a there word for yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe the cultural attaché. I don't know. Sure. Um, all right. So the Czech, the, the U.S. Just as the Czech Republic is a fairly divided country right mm -hmm. now. Um, when you explain the U.S. to the Czechs, do you um, like? Um, do you, do you think you take a specific angle, or mm -hmm. do you try to take? You know, present all the angles. Of the United States to the Czechs. Yes. I've made a point of, so at the beginning, I made the mistake of saying Czechs do this, Americans do this, which is absolute nonsense. And that became quite apparent once I read the comment section. So now I've started to say Los Angeles or Angelinos do this and Proggers do this. Because it's not fair for me to give you a taste of America. When I'm from Los Angeles, I don't know how they do it in Kansas. And when people say you should tell us more about Florida and Arkansas and Chicago, you don't want me to because I'd be guessing. Yeah. I am from I am from 
Los Angeles. And in the same way, I think Czechs get upset with me because I say I base my experiences on Prague. But you know what? Prague is where I live. And it's it's the experience that I've had. That's a very fair point. Uh, when I have the tours and I always say, listen, I'm going to tell you something about the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. but I'm a filter. You know, I'm a... I'm a fairly affluent man from Prague. You know, I always say it's like District 1 from the Hunger Games. I have no idea what, you know, you know District 12, Ostrava. I have no idea what happens there, right? Uh, so, so yeah, that's that. Sure. Um, has there been um, anything that you found hard to explain? You know, I asked you about the Czech things that are hard to explain. Has there been anything hard to explain from the U.S. to the Czechs? Yeah, man. I really... I've really wanted to come up with a way to explain the reason that we are politically correct. It's not, it's not a fakeness. I, and I, I don't want to, there's different type of videos I do where I do like a talking head video where I'm explaining the differences between this and this. And those are maybe interesting, but political correctness, I kind of want to introduce some fun, some joking, some characters And I'm trying to figure out a way to explain what it is to be from a country that's so divided by race, that's so divided by income level, in a way that doesn't offend the Czechs, but to understand that they, they, they are making the wrong assumptions about us. So I haven't figured out how yet. All right. So what's the wrong assumption um, well, the assumption that we make? Well, the assumptions are that, you know, Americans are stupid. Americans are ignorant. Americans are racist. Americans are not racist. Um, blacks don't do X, Y, and Z in America. Um, immigrants don't do X, Y, and Z in America. Um, we love Trump because he's keeping out all the immigrants. Like, they have no idea what they're yeah. saying. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, how am I supposed to explain all that? I have no idea, but I'd like to try. <laughs> well, I mean, you're being you're going to be locked down now in your apartment, so you have <laughs> all the time to... Um, To, you know to figure it out now yeah. i have uh you know you had a series of quick fire questions mm-hmm. i have a series of slow fire questions okay. for you because i figured like you <laughs> know let's roast. try a yeah, slow <laughs> roast let's try to explain a few things about the u.s right now mm-hmm. we're going to start with uh the easiest ones and we're going to progress into okay. it's got five I, i chose five topics okay. And let's see how you can, if you can explain. The last one, I can't explain. That's the only thing. Because, well, I think that there's a common ground. I mean, I've been trying to explain the Czech culture to mostly U.S. visitors. Mm-hmm. I think there's always common ground with one exception. I'm going to ask you this, the last thing. Uh, that's the last question. So you, are you up for it? I am up for it. Let's start with the easy one. Thanksgiving. Explain it. Yeah. Um, because I mean, it's, it's an American thing. We yeah. don't have it. What is it? It's a lovely idea. It's a it's a created holiday that um, showcases the immigrants who came to from England to um, the New World, and we made friends with the Indians, and we exchanged corn and turkey, and we all gave thanks and praise for this new bountiful country. Now it was totally created. There were wars. We're not discussing here, but all that aside. It is the one holiday that is not about commercialism. They can't turn it into some, you know, commercialistic holiday. It's just about family. It's just about food. Wait, but isn't that like a Black Friday ahead of it? Or That's, like the day after. Yeah. That's the day that after. That is, you're not <laughs> allowed right. yes. to bring it into Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> It's okay. And isn't that about watching football too? 
Yeah, well, yeah, I think there probably is. But I mean, you I'm thinking, you know, I've been saying like, you know, that, that our Christmas is like the Thanksgiving. You just overeat and watch TV, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like most of the Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Second thing, tailgating. Oh, this is so fun. So in the United States, universities are really connected to sports. It's not the same here. Sports are almost more important than academics in, in American universities. And so when you go to a school that has particularly a good football team, it's mostly about American football, you get together before the game, you open up your pickup truck and you have beers and you have um, guacamole and maybe you have a grill and different different foods that are, you know, appropriate for the time. In the parking lot. In the parking lot. All absolutely. Right. I was just talking. My, yeah, my you, found dad, so, you find something beautiful like a parking lot. Like a parking lot. And you just party there. Yeah. And okay. my dad's is at Stanford University. He always tailgates at Gate 11. Same spot, 20 years, and we go there, and all of his friends are there, and we enjoy food, and then some of us go to the game, and some of us don't, if yeah. we're not interested in football. All right, so you just go and, like, tailgate, but not yeah. actually watch the match after it. I mean, it depends. Some of them do. A lot of the, the girls stay outside, and we'll just, like, hang all right. out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Stanford University has a sports scene? Oh, yeah, football. Oh, yeah, football. Oh, football. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right, you've been, doing so, you've been doing very well so far. Now, let's get into the more puzzling and more uh, serious questions here. The Electoral College. Uh -huh. What's up with that? The Electoral College, I believe, was created so that the states that had lesser population could be equally represented in the... Uh, my, my lawyer husband is <laughs> looking at me like, you don't know what you're talking about. No, it, it was a way to encourage the smaller states to join the union and to have more of an impact with the voting. All right. And how come now, when somebody can win the, uh -huh. you know, the popular uh, vote, popular vote yeah. by m you know, a million? Three. Three million. <laughs> and uh, they lose with the election. How is that possible? Oh, it's because of the, oh, because, because the, the smaller countries state, get more, uh, more electoral, what it, do you call them? Electoral. In each state, electoral votes. Vote, elect oh, yes, yeah, sure. exactly. So I believe it was like Michigan, Wisconsin. I mean, we're talking about the 2016 election. So it would, it would be as if, Ostrava, Prague, Olomouc, or the states, not the cities, the sort of regions, had a certain amount of votes, and you didn't count the entire country at once. You Equal, counted, yeah. you counted like, well, Prague has, or the, the area of Prague has 10% of the votes of the country. So we're going to award you 10 votes for whoever wins this region. Yeah. So, yes, and George Bush did not win the uh, the yeah. the um the popular vote and neither did Trump yep. and they are responsible for a lot of the uh Supreme Court seats it's it's a very unfair system but currently it it favors Republicans but um I just my question is why hasn't it changed I mean like it's just it's, it's a historical thing right I believe like, that I believe it? there has to be a I believe there has to be an amendment to the constitution okay. and this takes an an sure. over amount it more than a majority of votes yeah. to change okay. like many things right. in our country. Okay. I'm getting the heads up from the lawyer. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. <laughs> now we're getting this now we're heating up now. Right. This was easy. Um the cancel culture. Yeah. Yeah. So 
<laughs> I love how your husband is laughing here as you're trying to like. He's going to go get yeah, me some more yeah, wine. Right, yeah. um, the cancel culture. You know, it depends. It's a, it's a, I think it's linked to political correctness, isn't it? It is. It yeah. is linked to political correctness. Um, no? I, I, I do think, so. so I believe it started, you know, when you say cancel culture, the first thing I think of is Louis C.K., which is a, a, a comedian, and he... Um, he exposed is, himself. He exposed himself to some women. Yep. And then he was basically canceled. He had to cancel his show. Um, and, and that was the end of him. Other people tell jokes that are politically incorrect. Like there was a man, I forget his name, who was supposed to host the Oscars. Kevin Hart. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Okay, Kevin Hart. And he was supposed to host the Oscars and they dug up some old footage of him yeah. Being, like, uh, being a little bit, yeah, been, being jokes, making like jokes about about LGBT community, um, and then they asked him for an apology and he wouldn't give one, and so he didn't get to host the Oscars. So that is what cancel culture is. Now, do you want my opinion on it, or you're just asking what no, it is? No, I think actually that's that's a that's a yeah. very good answer. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that um, you know everything in life is a spectrum. Sure, and everyone has to decide how far something can go before it gets overdone or yeah. so what they're not, comfortable it's, with. It's not, a, it's not an objective thing then. No, it? it's not. How about Confederate monuments then? Is it cancel culture too? Yeah. Is that, is so, that part? No, I'm just asking. I'm not yeah. like, you know, insinuating anything. Well, it, I'm just asking. it's interesting. It's almost as if somehow there were um, sculptures to Heydrich yeah. somehow in the Sudetenland. Because there's still some Germans there and, you know, he was good to them and he was on their side. And these Confederate um, sculptures did not go up back in the days of the Confederacy. They went up in the 60s, 60s and the 70s. 70s. Yeah. And so these are, it's not as simple as their supporters would like you to think. This is a remnant of a previous time and... You know, there's nothing, I, I don't find problems with words. I'm not offended by swear words. I'm not offended by certain words. We give them meanings. We give sculptures and these things meanings, but they do have meaning. Yeah. And so everybody needs to pay attention. I mean, we have to the that. same thing with the communist heritage, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, just something like, I mean, you love Karel Gott. I mean, he collaborated horribly with the government. But most people just like put that aside. I didn't even know that. Oh, man. Like, I mean, there was the, the anti Kharta, you know, you know the Charter 77? Yeah. So that was a big, big anti-Charter 77. Uh, it was televised. It was mm -hmm. the, the biggest like stain on his reputation. And um, it was like the artists against Charter 77, right? Wow. And he was the keynote speaker uh, on that event and stuff like that. I mean, people love him for his work and his, you know, horrible dancing and like, you know, the, the voice, whatever. But it, there's still like communist heritage. And it, I get it, like, for, because for many people... I mean, you look at communist things, you know, look at Bota sneakers, mm -hmm. right? That's a communist thing. And now it's like the super cool because it's nostalgia. Mm -hmm. It's not stuff like that. I know that like, you know, saying I have confederate nostalgia is probably, you know, it's not, you know, it doesn't work the same way. Sure. But, yeah, I, but I think it's very similar because, I mean, then, for instance, you look at the brutalist buildings mm -hmm. and they think people say, oh, communist buildings, we can tear them down easily. Uh -huh. 
because it's a communist thing, but then the LSP, well, they have some architectural value. Is it history? Do you cancel history by just tearing them down and yeah. just leave it there? It's a very difficult thing. It's on both, and I think I can, you know, the, the, I know that it's not the same thing, but it's somewhat similar. Sure. Yeah. Last thing, <laughs> the NRA. The NRA. The gum thing. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. There's a lot happening with the NRA right now yeah, because I know. they've been um, uh, basically funneling money to their yeah. their leaders, and it's they have like been like they've what, corrupted like their the, entire organization. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that aside, mm-hmm. um, th- I mean, the NRA. For those who don't know, it's the Naf- National Rifle Association. Association. Yeah, and their their main goal is to preserve the right to bear arms, which is. Um, very important in our country in certain segments. Well, of that, our that's country. the que- that, that's the question. Why is it so important? Why is it so important in your country? The Second Amendment is the rights of the well-armed militia. Am I wrong, lawyer? <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I, I I get it. I get like what it, what it says. The Second Amendment, like yeah. it's like you know, if you're. It's, you know, it's the natural, what you call it, uh, the natural rights that if the government, you have a contract with the government, and if the government basically breaches his locky, right? Like second treaties, whatever. It says, you know, like if the government goes after you, yeah. you have the right to defend yourself, basically. The, the right is yeah. actually not quite that. It's the right to no? form a well-armed oh, really? militia. So oh. they've, they've bastardized it. I mean, people a lot smarter than me have come yeah. up with that argument, right, so I'm okay. not going to argue with that. But okay. it's... It's the right to bear arms, and it's become Why is it so important, then? It's not important to me, so it's hard to say. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to say. Um, but why do you think it's so important? I mean, I know that you're not talking, because yeah. honestly, it's like it's a question. Like, that is the one thing that like we discuss on the tours. And, like, it's really puzzling to see that the vast majority of people we've had on the tour, mm-hmm. like, don't want guns. Like, don't, don't want this. Like, they want yeah. gun control of some mm-hmm. sorts. But then again, there's a, it seems to be there's a very loud minority who seems to be like, you know, in control of the thing. I will say that it's a cultural uh, signifier. Yeah. It is, it is someone who um, wants to affiliate with, you know, we are patriotic. We are the real Americans. We, you know, eat this type of barbecue. It's, it's a cultural signifier. Mm. I don't know that they're going out um, waving their arms around. And in fact, I do know a lot of people who serve in the U.S. military and they don't want civilians running around with these guns. They're not trained. They understand how insane that would be. So the people who do run around professing to believe in their right to have a automatic weapon as they want, it's, yeah. they, they just want to sort of affiliate with that type of person. All right. Okay. It's just my opinion. Okay, thank you. Um, now let's segue to something much more lighter. I didn't want this to be like this got out of hand a bit. I just want to make it light and no fun. Americans listen like, to this, right? Wow, like like it got like really heavy, but it's okay. Sorry, it was my fault. But um, um, all right. So I want to ask about the YouTube channel. Uh-huh. Like, um, is this your primary thing right now? Like, is this what you do? Yeah. Um, is it? Is it? Like, uh, I just like. I don't know if you mind talking about yeah, it. Of is it? Is it? Is it something that you can make money out of? Like, sure. Can you live off of it? So the interesting thing about people asking what you do is they kind of are like, how do you make your money? Yeah. Um, I do a lot of like pa- other passive things, and I've been building little like little bit of money here, little bit sure. of money here. So so that helps me to be able to be like, let's try something new. So, okay. So that's sure. what the YouTube channel is. You can make money on it. 
the way that you are able to make money on it is by the ad revenue that comes from they YouTube. click on ads that are on your uh, exactly YouTube or channel. if okay. they watch the the ads at the beginning or in the middle things like that mm-hmm. also you can take on sponsors which i've just started to do oh really okay uh-huh. and that means that you would then talk about a certain service in your video and that they would pay you for that okay cool mm-hmm. is there a, a any plan to monetize it further like going forward um well there's there are other ways to monetize it basically you could have like a patreon channel where people would just donate to watch your membership thing yeah. exactly and i kind of we discussed it and i kind of thought i can charge my viewers or i can charge companies and i don't really feel as though charging checks to if they are my viewers to watch my channel i, d- I don't want to ask them for that really but as a content creator i also sometimes find like you know we've gotten so used to free content mm-hmm. and that content is not free it's not you know like i mean we run a you know we we i mean all the photos of uh, the food i mean we paid for that food you know what yeah. i mean it's just not like you just go and like they give you the food no we pay for it i mean we yeah. also want to stay like um unbalanced and objective yeah. so we don't you know, uh, we decline invites and stuff like that, yeah. but um, it's not free. I'm like, I'm not like, you know, as a content creator, yeah. I've never kind of was fully convinced that content is should be free. Absolutely. So, so there are, there are a few things. I could sell something myself. I can yeah. write a book. I can make a course. I yeah. can make, you know, merch. <laughs> yep. I could do that. I could have... I need a, one more tote bag. Right, yeah. of course. I, I could do enough of them. Yeah. <laughs> I could do a Patreon where people pay me directly and I could say, okay, two videos a month you get for free and two, menus, two videos a month you have to pay for. Sure. Or I could make an advertisement for a service that I particularly think that my viewers would be interested in and I can make an advertisement. Cool. So that right now is the the path of least resistance to me, but we'll see how it goes. But yes, it is an absolute full-time job. Cool. Yeah. It looks like it. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad that you think that. No. I think some people think 10-minute oh. videos once a week. How much time could that possibly oh, take? Man. Like, Listen, <laughs> we have a newsletter now uh-huh. and uh, it's actually... It's one newsletter, but it's in Czech and English. Mm-hmm. I do two versions. Yeah. And it's, so it's two newsletters. Not many people realize this, but I mean, you have to write oh. this twice. Oh, my God. And, um, oh, it's, it's, and it's like you think, oh, it's just a few you know, tips. Yeah. You know, oh, my gosh. It's like a day's worth of you know, um, work. Absolutely. You know, anyway, so last question. I ask this everyone. Your guilty pleasure. What you're eating when no one's looking. Uh-huh. Oh, what am I eating when no one's looking? Yep. I mean, I definitely am just like carving off pieces of a block of Parmesan when oh, my really? husband walks yeah. into the next room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, any really good... I, I'm a big fan of like uh, Naipa, like a New England IPA these days. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. I really am digging um, Zihovets. I've always loved Matushka, but I, I do love my little Czech microbrews. Oh, really? My, okay, yeah. so it's, uh, it's the beer thing. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me, for sharing your thoughts on the, the RA. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know um, if I was qualified I'm, to I'm, offer an I'm, opinion. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that one. Uh, but um, no, anyway, thank you so much. Uh, I've, I've been enjoying your videos and I wish you the best and I hope uh, to see more videos. And if you open a Patreon channel, I'll pay for it. Oh, you're very sweet. Right, thank you, you, Jan. You should too. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers.
right, guys, thank you so much for listening through our latest podcast in English. I know we don't record many of those, but please hang in there. We'll, there'll be definitely more. Thank you again for listening. Please rate us well on Apple Podcasts and whatnot. And I hope to see you again uh, in a week's time. Cheers. Bye-bye.